Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Cybersecurity Without Insanity podcast, focusing on how you can manage cyber risks and regulations without losing your sanity. I'm Sam Glynn and it is the 17th of November 2023. Uh, in this week's news, I'll get on to the individual accountability framework, which is the focus of this week's newsletter. But um, before I do, I just want to cover something that I mentioned earlier in the week, which is around why your executives are special. Uh, this comes from a recent report by Ivanti on the security behaviours of executives. Apparently, 49% of executives have requested to bypass one or more security measures in the past year. The unequal power dynamic between security teams and top executives exacerbates the problem. When the boss or the boss's boss asks for a favour or a workaround against a security protocol, security employees are understandably uncomfortable pushing back. The report goes on to state that 35% of executives admit to clicking on phishing links or sending money compared to 8% of all other workers. Almost 20% of executives have shared their password with someone outside of the organisation, for example, their spouse or the child compared to 5% of other workers. And 27% of executives, just over a quarter, allow family members or friends to use their work devices at least monthly, which is compared to 6% of other workers. So there's many angles I could take here, but I will stick to two. First up, how many of your security measures allow exceptions? And when were these exceptions last reviewed by an independent party to ensure they are appropriate. And also, do you provide tailored security awareness training and support to your executives in a safe environment that enables executives to ask stupid questions and reduces the risk of them asking to bypass security controls that are actually protecting the organisation? But anyway, uh, the theme of this week's newsletter is very much around the individual accountability framework. And this arises from a conference that I attended earlier in the week uh, run by the Compliance Institute, which is a membership organisation for those who work in compliance roles within regulated financial services firms. I'm a member as a result of being a certified data protection officer. Anyway, I was surprised that the event did not mention DORA, the Digital Operational Resilience Act, at all. It was not on the agenda. And in its place was what is called the Individual Accountability Framework. This is a regulation that's coming into effect in Ireland at the end of this year and focuses on the accountability of senior individuals to run their parts of the business effectively. And if they don't, they will be held accountable for their action or inaction by the Irish regulator, the Central Bank of Ireland, which could turn out to be a career-ending move. So my point earlier in the week was, if you work in a regulated financial services firm, is it clear who is ultimately accountable for cybersecurity in your firm? And if it isn't, then it may land on you, especially if you're the CEO uh, or, as I commonly encounter, the COO or CFO, uh, just because there is no one else within the, the line of command that has cybersecurity expertise. And whoever that person is who is ultimately accountable, does that person know what appropriate security controls look like? Because whether they know or don't know, they're going to be held accountable for them in about six weeks' time. And that's why this week's newsletter, 
um, is focused on the individual accountability framework and what the world of cybersecurity can tell us about what this framework could look like. And also why CISO, which traditionally stands for Chief Information Security Officer, may also stand for Career is Sadly Over. So the first story is why Uber's CISO ended up in court. The second is why SolarWinds CISO is now facing a day in court. And the third is what the individual accountability frameworks reasonable steps really mean. And before I continue, where I mention CISO, um, you could also interpret that as meaning the person accountable for cybersecurity. And as I mentioned, many of the people in the regulated firms that I work in uh, who are held accountable for cybersecurity are actually the chief operational officer, uh, the chief financial officer or the chief information officer, even though they do not have any cybersecurity expertise, which means the individual accountability framework is presents an even greater risk to them. Anyway, on to why Uber's CISO ended up in court. In 2022, the former CISO of Uber was convicted of federal charges related to his actions during a 2016 data breach at the firm. The breach involved the theft of personal information of 57 million Uber users. A United States federal jury found the individual guilty of obstructing the proceedings of the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC. This conviction was specifically in connection with his attempted cover-up of the data breach. That's according to an article on cyber management appliance. Apparently, the individual then in charge of security operations and cybersecurity at the company spearheaded the scheme in which Uber paid hackers $100,000 to not release the data that they had stolen and to stay silent on the attack. The incident was only revealed to regulators a year later when a new CEO took over. The former CISO appealed the sentence, arguing that the main reason for the case was not the data breach, but the accusations of a cover-up by the CISO. However, his actions were taken with the full knowledge and blessing of Uber's CEO at the time and other members of the ride-sharing giant's legal team, and none of them suggested the need to inform the regulator. He also says he never lied to the FTC and he did not destroy evidence. Apparently, 30 others at Uber knew of the incident and he never told any of them to conceal anything. And despite the fact that the former CISO was not responsible at Uber for the FTC's investigation, including the drafting or signing of any of the submissions to the FTC, the government still singled him out among over 30 of his co-employees who all had information that only he is alleged to have hidden from the FTC. No other individuals in Uber, including the former CEO, were charged with any offence. So what's my point? Well, it's not a shock to people working in cybersecurity that the person accountable for cybersecurity has been made the scapegoat for a security incident. But this usually means being publicly blamed or fired for such incidents. This case is believed to be the first time that a CISO of a major company has been convicted for a data breach and its ensuing cover-up. It caused many people in the cybersecurity industry to question the risks and rewards of taking on the CISO role, as it could now mean career is sadly over. 
a lesson for those in PCF roles within the individual accountability framework. The second story is why the SolarWind CISO is now facing a day in court. And in this case, it is the Security and Exchange Commission, which has accused SolarWinds and its Chief Information Security Officer of fraud arising from internal control failures relating to allegedly known cyber security risks and vulnerabilities. The SEC's complaint alleges that from SolarWinds October 2018 IPO through to its December 2020 filing, the company was the target of a massive, nearly two-year-long cyber attack known as Sunburst. And it defrauded investors by overstating its cybersecurity practices and understating or failing to disclose known risks. That's according to an article this week in the National Law Review. Apparently, the SEC has alleged that the CISO was aware of SolarWinds cybersecurity risks and vulnerabilities, but did not resolve the issues or sufficiently raise them further within the company. As one law firm puts it, the SEC's complaint serves as a stark reminder to CISOs about the consequences of public and internal statements regarding cybersecurity practices and risks. The complaint highlights the expectations for CISOs to provide accurate representations of their company's cybersecurity posture, both internally and in public disclosures, and CISOs should consider keeping detailed records of key discussions and decisions related to cybersecurity risks. So my point here is that if you're accountable for cybersecurity, but someone else ultimately makes a decision on where money, focus, attention, resources are allocated, you'd better get better at ensuring that these decisions and the inputs to these decisions are well documented. Otherwise, your job title could really mean career is sadly over. And the final article this week is all about reasonable steps. Uh, IAF, the Individual Accountability Framework, introduces a duty of responsibility for individuals to take reasonable steps to ensure that their areas of responsibility conform to legislative and regulatory requirements. In the event of an investigation, in assessing the steps that an individual took, the central bank will consider what steps an individual in that position could reasonably have been expected to take at that point in time. These are the remarks of Jerry Cross, who is Director of Financial Regulation, Policy and Risk at the Central Bank of Ireland. In other words, if things go wrong, your defence will centre on whether you took reasonable steps. So the next question is, what constitutes reasonable steps in cybersecurity? I would argue that the minimum is ensuring alignment to regulatory guidance. For example, the Central Bank's 2016 guidance on cybersecurity and their subsequent guidance on outsourcing and operational resilience, as well as their numerous Dear CEO letters. But my point is that minimum does not mean reasonable, or in the language of GDPR, appropriate. Reasonable or appropriate must mean alignment to a relevant industry benchmark or framework, as these reflect the lessons of industry veterans and usually reflect the lessons learned by those who have been on the wrong side of an attack. If you want to see the difference between regulatory guidance and an industry benchmark, I suggest you compare the Central Bank's 2016 cybersecurity guidance to the US Cyber Infrastructure and Security Agency's 
scuba guidance on how to secure Microsoft 365, which is a benchmark that I use when I audit clients' Microsoft 365 environments. My point is, when you look at these, you'll see that one is looking at the breadth of cybersecurity with a telescope, while the other is looking at the depths of cybersecurity with a microscope. And you need both. To flip it around, what constitutes unreasonable steps? Well, assuming the people who manage your IT on a day-to-day basis, for example, an intergroup IT team, or your external IT service provider, or a SaaS provider, assuming that they're also managing your cybersecurity, to me, is an unreasonable step. Because unless you've assessed them, or got someone like me to do it for you, I can pretty much guarantee that they're not managing your cybersecurity. And whether or not they are, they won't be the hell, they won't be the ones that are held accountable by the regulator. And on that positive note, that's it for this week. Until next time, take care.